Welcome to the Church on the North Coast podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Thompson. You're listening to the Church on the North Coast podcast. I'm so glad you tuned in today. Our greatest desire is to encourage ministry leaders to empower and equip volunteers and to strengthen and build the believer. Welcome to the podcast. So glad you're here today. Today, I'm all alone in the studio. Want to take the time to talk about communion today, the table of the Lord. There's a few topics in the Bible that really intrigue me. Uh, the table of the Lord is one of them. I love the table of the Lord. It's uh, it's it's just uh, it, it it talks about family and it's a symbol of family, community, faithful presence of the Lord. Uh, it's a it's a symbol for our deep desire to be known and to be loved by God and one another. It's a symbol. The table of the Lord is a symbol that we see throughout Scripture as a place where God dwells with and provides for his people anytime he sits at the table, at the table of the Lord. Uh, Psalm 23 says he prepares a table for us. The, the entire Psalms is a reference to Holy Communion, the table of the Lord, also known as the table of the Lord. God sets a table for us and joins us around it. That's, man, that's so awesome that God uh, sets a table for us. And uh, he doesn't just set the table and put us at it, but he joins us. The table represents communion in the Bible, and the table represents, uh, the table is uh, union and uh, unity with Christ. I, uh, I shared this uh, last week, so I'm kind of like just putting it on a podcast for all of those who, t- who, who listen to podcasts, but uh, once I'm... Uh, not long ago, went out to dinner with some friends, and uh, we, I say we're friends, but they don't they don't know me as well as you know my 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 real friends. You know, you got friends that are on the fringe, and so we're getting to know this couple, me and my wife, and uh, I'm doing this this uh, intermittent fasting, and <laughs> and so I hadn't I don't eat I don't eat from like you know like. The previous night, all the way up until about uh, two or three the next day, one, two, or three depends. And uh, on this particular day, I happened to be really busy. Uh, uh, I hadn't had an opportunity to even stop and, and eat at two or three, and I went straight from what I was doing to to dinner that night, and, and I had made up my mind that um, that I was going to eat <laughs> when I got to dinner, you know. Uh, a lot of times you go to dinner with people you don't really know, and y- you uh, there's pretense there, so you kind of you know you, you're cute, but, you know. But I had made up my mind. I'm paying for the dinner tonight. I'm going to eat. I'm hungry. I'm coming to dinner hungry, and and so uh, when I got there, I didn't order a salad. I wasn't being modest. I ordered three appetizers, the the heaviest piece of meat <laughs> that they provided. And I really, really went in. Uh, I ordered additional sides, and, and I, I just knew that this was going to be my meal for today. I was going to consume close to, you know, uh, 1,900 calories as I possibly could. I was going to stay under 18, you know, so I, so I was ordering as much food as I could. And, and, uh, and when it was time to pay, when it was all over, 
uh, I, I looked at the waitress and said, you can give me the check. And, and the waitress said, that's already been taken care of. And at that moment, the horror, <laughs> the horror of, of, uh, of indulgement, uh, had came over me. And I realized that they had beat me to the, to the check. And I had, I had eaten more than anybody at the table combined. And I was embarrassed to say the least. And, and I just began to plead and beg for them to allow me to pay for the meal, but they, they would not, uh, they were gracious and they kind of laughed it off. But I was, I was, uh, embarrassed to say the least because I went to dinner hungry and I, I ate and I wasn't cute with it. I, I ate a lot. And my question for all of the listeners today is this, what would you order uh, from heaven if there was no pretense? If, if, if you just came to God honestly and you were ordering from the menu of heaven without shame or guilt or condemnation or what they would think or what they who they would think what would you ask god for and uh, my recommendation to you today is get to the lord's table and don't leave until you have ordered what you need in in your well-fed tables are for eating you know the table of the Lord is for eating. Hunger is interesting. Hunger will, uh, what I've found over, you know, 25 years of ministry roughly is that uh, hunger, when people get hungry, spiritually hungry, which, you know, if you're spiritually hungry, you're solically hungry. And when people get hungry, uh, they it does one of two things for them. It, it, it either drives them to the table of the Lord where they'll find f- true meat and drink that satisfies or it will drive them into the wilderness where they will attempt to uh, find something that satisfies away from the table but on their own one one speaks of our prideful attempt to do it alone and the other speaks of our humility and dependency upon god and uh, I find it interesting that uh, that Jesus always gathered his his disciples around the table of the Lord, the table. He always brought them to a table. A story that's very interesting in the Bible is the one of Mephibosheth and how King David uh, searches out Mephibosheth, which is uh, which would have been considered an enemy to the throne. But King David searches out Mephibosheth, the great-grandson of King Saul, who tried to kill David. He searches him out, finds him, and then he doesn't just restore him. I want you to see this, uh, family. He doesn't just restore uh, Mephibosheth. He could have. He could have just sent you know, provision to Mephibosheth and ordered that he was taken care of and cared for all the days of his life right where he was. But I want you to see the heart of, of the king, Jesus. He, David, a type of Christ, finds Mephibosheth, broken, dropped, lame, rejected, pushed aside, defeated by life. And he, he goes and he sends a delegation to find him, and he finds him. And once he finds him, he doesn't just bless him. 
he, he brings him to his table. He brings him to his table. Second Samuel 9.11 says, As for Mephibosheth, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. And I find that significant, that, that a part of our restoration, not a part, our restoration will always occur at the table of the Lord. Always. It will always occur at the table of the Lord. And so I want to kind of just give cautionary advice to those who would suggest that you do not need the fellowship of the table of the Lord. That you can have fellowship with Christ and without the table is a lie. It is deception because Jesus brought his disciples to the table and he, they had union with him and they had unity among one another at the table of the Lord. And so your restoration will always be dependent upon your willingness to eat from and stay at the table of the Lord. Something else that I find interesting about the Passover meal, which is the, the table of the Lord, interesting that God uh, put the showbread on the table. Uh, you'd have to do some research there, but, uh, but go back and find it. You'll see that God placed the showbread on a, a table, uh, the table. And in Exodus 12, 10, it references the Passover. And now, now consider the Passover. You know, we know the Passover meal. Uh, we, we understand that the Passover lamb was Jesus in the New Testament. But just understand that they took a lamb, they, they killed the lamb, and then they, they took the blood of the lamb and they applied it to the doorpost and the lentil. Uh, they, they applied it to the sides and the top. And under, but notice they didn't put it on the threshold. They didn't put it on the floor for it to be trampled upon. But once it was applied to the side and the top, the, the direction was to come into the house. Once the blood was applied to come into the dwelling place of where the blood had been applied, of, of, the, of the blood, you're coming into the provision of the blood that had been applied, and you are to remain there, the scriptures say. And, and, and once you come in, you are to remain. You're not to come in and out. You're to remain in where the blood, remain under the cover of the blood. And then it gives this direction, says to eat all of it and leave none of it till the morning. But the morning, the, the morning speaks of um, the age to come, and not to, to, to remain in it until it is till the death angel is passed. This is so prophetic to you and I. It, it tells us that once we receive Christ, we are to remain at the table of the Lord and never to come away from it. We are to stay in Christ, never to pull ourselves away from the table, never to Never to pardon ourselves from the table and walk away and then and then expect to be able to come back into the table of the Lord, to come back into the provision of Christ. It says to remain. But notice that it says to eat it. You have to eat it. The table, once you're at the table, 
the table is for eating. You can't just, it's not enough to be in the proximity of the table and not receive all of Christ. It's not enough to hear the teaching and not digest the teaching. It's not enough to hear the revelation and not actually begin to live in the revelation. He said you have to actually come into Christ and you have to remain in Christ and you have to eat all of them. I, that right there is sobering. Because it, it, it is a, it's a caution to us. It is a warning to us that you are not permitted to take the pieces of Christ that, you, that appeal to you most and then neglect the parts of Christ that, are, that, that you don't consider uh, uh, as relevant to your life. The, the teachings of Christ, all of Christ is to be consumed and you are to become one with him at the table of the Lord. You are to never leave it, but you have to eat all of him. You can't just have the, the goodness of affirmation and the blessing of God and then reject the, the correction of God and the, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the disciplines of God. You, can't, you, have to, you have to eat all of it. I find it interesting in the progressive church today how we're choosing the pieces and parts of Jesus that we like and then we're, we're we're leaving on the table of the Lord the, the pieces and parts of Christ that we don't necessarily like. But understand, understand this as well. If eating brought death in the Garden of Eden, then Christ has uh, provided eating to bring life in the New Testament by, by eating at the table of the Lord, becoming one at the table of the Lord. So I want to encourage you, uh, as Christ dined with his disciples at the table of the, the Lord, he said to take and to eat, eat. So I want to encourage you, get to the table and remain at the table of the Lord to receive the fullness of Christ and all of it, all of Christ. And, you know, I'm here for all of it. I'm here for it all, you know. Uh, you've got to make up your mind. I'm here for everything that Jesus has for me. I'm not here for entertainment. I'm here to be transformed by becoming one with Christ. Uh, uh, I have this sister in the Lord, and uh, and we went out to dinner one time. I don't know if it was out to dinner at a house. I don't know, but but we were eating chicken, and uh, and I want to encourage you to when you dine at the table of the Lord. And when I say the table of the Lord, let me, let, me, let me be very clear. I'm talking about our fellowship together. I'm talking about the church of the living God who, who comes together and lives together. There's, there's, there is this, you know, our fellowship speaks of the table of the Lord. I'm not just talking about communion. I'm talking about the act of living, uh, the reality of communion with your daily life. And, and so, like, living at the table of the Lord, living in fellowship, living it is one with Christ. And uh, the table of the Lord just speaks of that. It just, it just, it's a, it's a great reference of that. I, I love the table of the Lord because it reminds me that I looked for this table. You know, I looked for this table uh, before I knew what the table was. I knew I needed a table to sit at. And I, I, before I came to Christ, I was looking for these tables and all of these fellowships, and I'd come in and go, no, that's not it. And then I'd go out, and I'd find another table to sit. I said, no, that's not it either. And, and 
And I like the table of the Lord, the symbolism of it. You know, if you've ever watched the, any of the Godfathers, you know, it's like the father calls all of his, his sons and to, to, to the table. And, uh, and it speaks of strength. It speaks of, it's, it's, it speaks of solidarity and unity and power. And, and uh, it, it just, uh, the, the world's longing for a table to come to. Uh, and, but we can't, we, can't, we, can't, we can't provide them with alternatives to the table of the Lord. We have to offer them the table of the Lord as it truly is. And, and once I found the table of the Lord, I knew that's it, man. That is exactly what I've been looking for. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you, get to the table, stay at the table. But I have this sister, and she, we were eating chicken. And, and, and once you get to the table, I want you to eat chicken, you know, all of it. Be there for all of it, you know, because nobody eats chicken cute. You know, if, if you're really eating chicken, you don't eat it cute. You don't, you don't eat it with fork and a knife. You eat it with your fingers. You have to eat chicken with your fingers. So my sister, uh, Jasmine Pagos, she was going in on this chicken, man. And just when I thought she had finished, I was like, man, she, she, I was like, we were all laughing at her. I was making fun of her. You know, like, girl, you're eating that chicken. Like, man, like you're starving, you know. And just when I thought she had finished, she took one of the bones and she broke it and she sucked the marrow out of the chicken bone and I had never seen anybody eat chicken like that but I thought man how how accurate a, a description it, it, it is for us to digest Jesus in the same manner to get all I mean just to take everything he offers and to suck the marrow I mean to to pull everything we can out of the table of the Lord from Jesus so I want to encourage you don't leave the table. Stay at the table, but but 100% come for all of it. All that you need, come for it at the table. If you need healing, come for it and eat from the table. Of the, there's healing at the table of the Lord. If you need restored, there's restoration at the table of the Lord. I want to encourage you to get to the table. Stay at the table. I want to caution you. Secondly, I want to caution you only to eat from the table of the Lord. Paul offers a warning in 1 Corinthians. I want you to I want you to hear me when I read this. He says this in 1 Corinthians 10:21, you cannot drink from the uh, the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Listen to this. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. I want you to know that the world has a table and that table is a table that is full of demons. It's a table of pretense. It pretends to offer that which the Lord offers at his table, but it is it is full of lust and corruption and evil and vitriol and bitterness. You see it offers it offer it, it offers group identity, tribal mentality, this side, that side, red side, blue side, left side, right side, but Jesus alone offers a table as himself, as the lamb that conquered. And the thing about the table of the Lord is this. You can't, the more you dine from the table of the Lord, the harder it is to leave the table of the Lord and to go to the table of demons. There is, this world is offering a cheap counterfeit that feeds death and poison. It is feeding death and poison. Once you consume of the table of demons, it begins to do its work. And the table of demons has one assignment, still kill 
and destroy your life. And so I want to encourage you, do not leave the table of the Lord. Do not live with this false belief that grace allows you to continue to go in and out and in and out from this table to that table and that table to that table. Do not live with this false belief that you can, you know, there's this idea that, you know, like if you just resist and and push away the conviction of the Holy Spirit while you're at the table of demons and and then just like I'll go back to the table when I'm ready. But I want to cost you. I, I don't think that the the Lord uh, will allow us to keep doing that. And I heard somebody say this the other day, and it was so so accurate. He it said he said deception comes from the enemy, but delusion comes from God. It, God God will allow you uh, the grace and permit you the grace to be deceived. But if you keep resisting his conviction, the Bible tells us in Romans 1 and 2 that he will give you over to delusion. There will be a time where he will, where where conviction will will not hurt you anymore. Like you'll just be numb to it and you'll, you'll be able to sin and you won't feel the prick of conviction on your life. And if you get to that place, man, I, I'm, I'm imploring you, stop, get away from that table, run back to the table of the Lord, because the more you dine from the table of the Lord, the harder it is to backslide, the harder it is to move, to go to the table of this, of this world and dine from the table of the Lord. And so I want to encourage you, do not allow yourself to be deluded. There's so much delusion in the world right now. The Bible, you know, is so accurate and, and it's come to life today. I mean, you know, there's delusion, literal delusion. Men are saying they're women. And then there are some women who are saying they're men. It's like the men are, are fully convinced that they could become pregnant. No, that is God has given you over to delusion. If you believe that way, it's just you've 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 become deluded and conviction has has a, a an important role in the believer's life and if you feel conviction it is a gift of god to you to be convicted while dining at the table of demons so the bible says you cannot you cannot keep eating at the, ta- the table of the lord and then eat at the table of demons paul says that you cannot do that god will not allow you to do that so so eat only at the table of the Lord. And then third, I want to remind you that there is power in our union and unity at the table of the Lord. Psalms 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like oil, he says. Unity is like oil. It runs down the head to the beard all the way to the edge of his garment. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. And it says, when he sees the oil, there the Lord commands the blessing. The blessing is life forevermore. But where the oil is, there is where the blessing is pronounced. I want to make it clear. It is impossible to be one with Christ and separate from one another. A lot of people live with the belief that I love Jesus, but I will not be at the table with the brothers and sisters of the Lord. So I want you to see this as, I want you to understand this scripture. What it's telling us is that if we, you better check the table. 
You better check the tape. If there's weakness in your life, if there's if there be no anointing, you better check the table. If there be no power, signs, and wonders, this is what the scripture is telling us. Check the table. Check the table. Now, a lot of people would say there's nothing wrong with my relationship with Christ, and I don't need a relationship with you to have power. This scripture tells us otherwise. And there are there are a number of others that I could point you to. Uh, Namely, John 17, 21. I'll read this one for you. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. I hope you heard that. That they all may be one. See, it's not. It's impossible to be one with Christ and separate from your brother's and your sisters. It is impossible. And that what we should pick up from this is that if we are not one, if we claim union with Christ, but disunity with our brothers, then it is impossible for us to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. It is impossible for us to open blind eyes. It is imp- The power of the gospel is lost if all we have is union with Christ and disunity with our brothers and sisters. The, the table of the Lord is if there, if there is to be power in our life, if there is to be blessing that comes from our life, we must get to the table and check the table to make sure that, that we are in union with Christ. See, most people don't have a problem with being in union with Christ. Most people have a problem being in unity with one another. Being in unity with one another means you you can't walk away from the table of the Lord when there's disagreement. You can't walk away from the table of the Lord just because you're offended. You can't walk away from the table of the Lord because your feelings got hurt. You have to remain. If your children are ever to see the power of God, if, if, we, if we are ever to see the power of God in our time, then we must check our table. We must get to the house of the Lord, check the table, and say, listen, are we in union with Christ? Yes. Okay. Now, are we in unity with our brothers and sisters? Because unity means the anointing. Unity brings the anointing. And unless the anointing is present, we can't have the anointing. We can't have the anointed one without unity. You see that we can't have Jesus without unity. So unless we be one, we cannot have Christ. And if we don't have Christ, we are powerless. There be no blessing. There be no power. Our unity means blessing. Our disunity means division. It means a powerless gospel, a powerless hymn being sung, a powerless song. It's it's power, a powerless prophecy. It's it, None of it works unless there's union with Christ, and union with Christ means there must be unity at the table of the Lord. The commanded blessing comes from union and unity together. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. You must be in unity. What does this call? What must we do then? 
We must lay aside our pride. We must not walk away from one another so easily. If we have, we must repent. We must apologize. We must return to the table of the Lord. There's so many people out there that have backslid, that have walked away from tables of the Lord, from the table of the Lord in your community, in your fellowship with your with your with your, your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You've walked away. I'm telling you right now, there's the conviction of the Holy Spirit is, is calling you to go back to that table repent and remain at that table because we need the power of the Lord for our time. Get back to the table of the Lord. Then lastly, I want to tell you the table reveals the reality of Christ. If Christ is to be seen and known in our time, we must get to the table of the Lord and check the table of the Lord. Look at look at what John 17, 23 says. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you sent me. The reality of Christ will be known by our love for one another at our table. If your love is so superficial that it cannot endure conflict, it is not love. It is conditioned. Christ does not love that way. We are called to love one another. We are called to love as Christ loves. Christ does not love based upon your performance. He knew you were going to fail, chose to love you anyway. And when we choose to love one another this way, we will see the reality of Christ dwelling among us at the table of the Lord. But not until then. Not until then will our Christ, will our children know the reality of Christ. Not until we love one another beyond offense, beyond disagreement, beyond red lines and blue lines and left sides and right sides. Not until we love one another beyond the generational curse that have divided us, not until we lay aside our foolish pride and humbly remain at the table of the Lord. We had a we had a Christmas uh, celebration one time, and all the family came together. And my brother Louis, uh, we had all these Nerf guns, and we were shooting one another with the Nerf guns. And my sister Mary was late to the party, and uh, Louis sitting at the t- at the at right at the door. And as Mary, my sister Mary, came through the door, uh, Louis took the Nerf gun and pointed it toward up towards her face and shot her right in the eye. And and I got to tell you, uh, she was blind for like a week, you know. I mean, she couldn't see. She was blurry for like a week. And I got to tell you, if it was me, I'd have left. You know, <laughs> I'd have just walked away. Like, man, you're a, you're a jerk. I'm leaving. Uh, but you know, to her credit, she stayed. And I and I and I tell you this, like, you got to learn to stay. We've got to learn to remain. Peter received the keys of the kingdom. Why? Because every time Jesus looked around, Peter was there. Even in his moment of betrayal, you know, even while they were in the praetorium and Jesus is beaten and, and getting whooped and he looks over and Peter's denying him, but he's present. He's within, he's within sight. And, and he stayed. And, and he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, Peter, because you, you just, every time I look around, you, you're there, you're at the table of the Lord. And I want to encourage you to get to the table and stay at the table because the reality of Christ shall be known by our love for one another at this table. Our love for one another at the table shall always determine the reality of Christ. As I close, I want you to make a commitment with me. Here's the commitment. 
make a commitment to remain at the table. Forgive all who are at the table and love all who are at the table. You're going to have to remain regardless. You're going to have to forgive even if they don't apologize. And you're going to have to love even though they don't uh they're not living how you might want them to. You know, see, Christ didn't, we're all in process. All of us are in process. And we're not allowed to not love somebody. And here's how you'll know whether you love somebody. Let me tell you this. This is how you, you know whether you love somebody. You can love them, disagree with their lifestyle, but still have empathy for them. Still be burdened with the sin they're struggling with. Still be burdened with the conflict of the reality that divides them. You, you, you love them because you know that you're burdened with empathy for them. That's how you know whether or not you love. Not, let me ask you somebody. Do you, do, you love, do you love the homosexual? Do you love the transgender this or that? You can love them, but disagree with them. And that, you know, I want to say that to everyone listening. You know, love, love is not agreement. The, the love, most loving thing you can do from, for somebody is tell them you disagree with their lifestyle and see, the, see it as, as an affront towards the Lord and sinful, but you still love them. And, and, and truth is not mean. Truth is kind. Truth is always kind. It's always kinder. It's always kinder to tell somebody this is sin and this is a breach in the standard of, of Christ and I love you too much to allow you to live with the deception that your sin is not separating you from Christ. Nope, I won't do that. I will tell you the truth that your sin is separating you. However, I will tell you that God is a, is a gracious God, loving and kind and but but there will be a day there will be a day if you do not if you do not allow the holy spirit to bring conviction to your life in repentance then there will be a day that where you live in danger of being of being separated eternally from Christ so i won't i won't i won't delude you i won't deceive you into believing that your sin is okay so i love you i live with a burden and empathy for you but i love you so i must tell you the truth and i love you and, and at the table of the Lord, everyone's in a different place. Some have just come to the Lord. Some have been at that table for a long time. Some are getting ready to cross over from that table to the reality of the table in heaven. So, so love. Remain, forgive, and love. There are seven blessings as I close that I want to remind you of that are found in Exodus 23. Starts at verse 20. That that are found in the table of the Lord in communion. I want to encourage you to take to receive communion at some point, you know, either after this message or tomorrow morning or whenever. But there are there are seven blessings. The first blessing that's found there is that God will assign an angel to you. There's angelic assignments to your life that are found it at the table of the Lord. So as you receive communion, just know God has assigned an angel to you. To keep you. He said, I assigned angels to the seed of Abraham. Number two, that whoever, any enemy of yours, God says, will become an enemy of mine. 
Whoever fights against you, I will fight against them. That's a, that's a promise that's at the table of the Lord. When he says, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. He says, any enemy to you is an enemy to me. So, so as you receive communion, be aware of that. God, number three, God will give prosperity to you through this meal, through communion, through the table of the Lord. So I'm, as I speak of communion, I'm speaking of fellowship, family, the table of community that, that we gather with, our, our family, our faith, that we, our faith community that we gather with. God says, I'll give prosperity to my people who remain at the table or who receive this meal. Number four, God will he will take away sickness from his people. There's healing in the bread. There's healing in the bread of the Lord. I'm reminded of the story of the of the woman who brought her daughter to Jesus. And Jesus says, I've been I've been sent to the lost sheep of Israel, but not to the dogs. And he calls her a dog. And but she comes back, man. And she comes back powerfully. And she says, Yes, but don't the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall off the table? of the Lord. And she, what she was really saying was, man, I believe more in the table of the Lord than the people that are chosen, than the people that are sitting at the table. I believe. And, and at that, Jesus could not resist. He said, man, your daughter's healed. Your daughter's healed from the table of the Lord. So I encourage you to be healed today in Jesus name. And then number five, God will give long life to his people. Some of us are settling for 80 years when you got 120 in the tank, man. Some don't leave any gas in the tank. And as you receive this meal today, I just want to encourage you to live every day to its fullest. God's going to, God's going to give you a long life. That's something we got to start believing for in the kingdom. I'm going to live longer than the Gentile. Come on, say that with me. God giving me long life. I got 120 years of gas in my tank and I'm going to be strong. I'm going to climb that mountain on the last day of my life, just like I did on the first day of my life. God's giving me long life. Number six, God will bring increase and an inheritance to his people. God's giving you an inheritance of the Lord, something beyond this world to leave to your children, an increase in anointing, an increase in favor over your life. He's giving you an increase in Jesus' name. And then lastly, number seven, this this one is this really cool, and I want you to claim it for, you know, for this year. Claim it for this year. He said, I will give you a special year of blessing. I will give you a special year of blessing at the table of the Lord. So claim that this year. This is a special year. I just I just declare it over your life and declare that God's given you healing. He's given you strength. He's given you an inheritance. He's given you angels to watch over you all from the table of the Lord. I got to go. It has been a pleasure being with you. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. I pray you were encouraged, empowered, and strengthened. Until next time, wake up and hustle like heaven. To make sure somebody out there feels the effects of your influence. You have influence, church. Bring heaven to your home, your city, your nation. Don't wait till it's too late. Get to a place that manufactures hope this Sunday. Get to church on the North Coast if you're in Northeast Ohio. I'm Pastor Troy Thompson. I'll see you next time.